The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers. You can win 100 times your money. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Plus, the MMA Gambling Podcast just launched their YouTube channel. To celebrate, we're giving away an MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie. Head over to sportsgamepodcast.com slash hoodie for all the details. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently early Monday morning, October 30th. Number host, always Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a bit of a longer episode because it is tournament preview time. It is time to preview a Masters 1000 event taking place in Paris. So we are going to go through the usual uh, routine for the actual tournament. We are going to go through the recap from the previous episode first then we're going to preview the quarters, and we're going to preview the actual outrights to win the event. Then we'll get into the lock and dog picks at the end of the show for some matches in the Arana 64. But a reminder, with regard to the schedule for this episode, for the uh, actual week for this podcast, it is a Masters 1000 event, which means one thing, there will be episodes for each round. And unlike some other Masters 1000 events, there are no days off. So it's going to be a one-week event. So we are going to be having an episode every day for the next week. So strap in a lot of content, a lot of bets, and get make sure you got your notifications on because you wouldn't want to miss any of these episodes. But anyway, before we get into any of the actual tournament preview, do want to recap what happened in the last episode, which focused on the Sunday matches. Starting off with the Lock and Dog picks, we ended up sweeping, ended up winning with the over 22 games in the Medvedev and Sinner match as my lock at minus 145. At the end of the day, it was really never in doubt. First set went to a breaker. Second set actually cashed the over anyway, but we went three sets for fun, which Sinner ended up winning. For the dog, we picked the Canadian. We took Felix to get the job done and to repeat as Basel champion, and he did at plus 142 as he won in straight sets. So we had a great episode with the actual picks and for the match predictions and breakdowns. We were spot on. Sinner, we thought, would actually would actually have a shot to win it, and we thought he was live, especially at plus 125, and he was. As he had a bunch of chances to win the match more easily, could not really convert a lot of breakpoint chances, but he eventually broke enough and held in order to win. But Sinner exercised his demons last time in Beijing against Medvedev, and it carried over. We thought Sinner was the sharper player throughout the event, and he ended up getting the job done courtesy of some good serving. He was pretty good with the first serve percentage, did not double fault, and at the end of the day, his serving was a little bit too solid for Medvedev to break consistently. But Sinner got the job done. Good for him, and he picked up another title. Now, as for the other uh, tournament in Basel, we mostly just thought that her catch was vulnerable after going to three sets in each of the last two rounds against Greek Sport and against Umber. We thought that he was, once again, playing good tennis, but it seemed like Felix was finding his groove, and it seemed like the courts actually just fit Felix's style perfectly, which is why Felix was the defending champion. But Felix went in there with a game plan, did not get broken in the entire match. Neither guy did actually. Felix should have broken Umber a couple uh, should have broken her catch a couple of times in the second set. Did not, but eventually got it done in the tie break. But Felix looked good, and at the end of the day, those odds were kind of insane. So we ended up picking up a nice sweep. And we really have no complaints from there. Hopefully we'll be able to keep it rolling here in the 
uh, Paris tournament. Before we get into any of that, I do want to talk about some news. Not really anything new in terms of news, but I do want to talk about another player complaining about the actual tennis balls. Ben Shelton. Ben Shelton was uh, hitting some practice balls around in preparation for this event, the Paris Masters, and he posted something, I believe it was on Instagram, complaining about his shoulder, about how this is the, uh, I don't even know, like fourth different tennis ball that he's had to hit, or tennis ball type that he's had to hit in the past month, and he said that his shoulder was feeling the effects of it. It's been a pretty common complaint from a lot of players on tour so it's definitely not made up. Now, if you asked me personally, who never played at a professional level, I would never have assumed that there would be that big of a difference between tennis balls, which would result in some serious shoulder injuries or wrist injuries. But we've heard a lot of players complaining, whether it was Medvedev, whether it was Shelton or a couple other guys. Uh, for example, Korda complained after he hurt his wrist. But the point is, you're looking at what has been kind of a serious problem with regard to the tour, and they're going to have to address it. You might have to see a uniform tennis ball being used. We're going to find out. Now, each tournament does have their own ball sponsor, I guess, but at some point, we're going to have to prioritize the actual safety of the players. And when a lot of ranked players, not just random challenger-level guys, ranked top 20, even top 15 guys, are complaining about the actual frequency that they change the tennis balls per tournament, it's going to be a problem. And I think that that has to be addressed. But I wanted to mention it because Shelton did tweet something out or Instagram post something about it. And I feel like it was worth reminding everybody about how the constantly changing tennis balls from tournament to tournament are creating some injury concerns for the players. But now we're going to get into the actual purpose of the episode, the preview for the Paris Masters. We're going to start off with a history lesson. Then we're going to get into the actual quarter odds and go from there. So to go through the actual winners... In years past, it's basically the Djokovic Invitational because he has won this event six times and he made the final two other times, including last year where he ended up getting upset. He was up a set against Rune, then lost the next two sets, including a very competitive 7-5 set in the final set. But you saw Rune win. Then the year before, Djokovic beat Medvedev. Then Medvedev beats uh, uh, Zverev. You had Djokovic beating Chapo. You had Kashanov beating Djokovic. You had Sok beating Krajinovic. I don't know what happened there. You had Murray beating Isner. And then you had Djokovic winning three straight. So once again, Djokovic, the tournament's not named after him, but it could be because he's won it six times and he's made the finals eight times. So I think once again, you're looking at what should be a pretty deep run from Djokovic, who is going to be playing in this event. A reminder that he's not exactly played much tennis since the Davis Cup, but he decided it's his time to return. And as a result, he is the favorite for this event. Now, if you want to go for some other past winners, I'll mention the options in a second. You have a couple, though, because it is a 1,000 event, so you are going to be having a pretty star-studded field in this event, so you have your options. But Djokovic, once again, is going to be here, which is a big deal, so hopefully we get to see him and Alcaraz maybe clash once again after they faced off in Cincinnati in one of the best three-set matches of all time, and they've not played since. You might remember they were supposed to in the U.S. Open, but then Medvedev ended up upsetting Alcaraz, and they faced off in the final, and you saw Djokovic win comfortably. But Alcaraz-Djokovic, it's always fun when they get together, and there might be a chance that they battle in this one. Now, as for the actual quarter odds for this event, we're going to start off with the first quarter, which Djokovic is involved in. I'm going to warn you right now, this is going to take about five seconds. I'm taking Djokovic. It's minus 225. 
I don't really care who else is in the quarter. He's the best player in the world, and that's good enough for me. Now, Fritz is 750. He's been terrible. No chance I take him. Rune's once again been underwhelming this year, but he did have a decent run in Basel to the semis. I still don't trust him. I know he ended up beating Djokovic here last year in the final. He won the whole thing, but he's not, I can't trust him. He's not consistent enough, and I do think Becker has his work cut out for him as the coach. So give me a fade on Rune, especially after being potentially fatigued, making a deep run in Basel, so I'm not interested in him. Shelton's interesting in 9-1 to one because he can serve, but Djokovic buried him in the U.S. Open in straight sets. I don't see Shelton beating him. You have Phil's at 14-1, to one, Greek Sport 18 to 1. I'm not going to bother. Once again, Djokovic is the obvious pick here. Give me Djokovic to win the first quarter at minus 225. Moving on to the second quarter, you have Sinner at plus 140, Rublev at 4 to 1, Paul at 7 to 1, Dimenauer at 8 to 1, and a bunch of long shots who I'm not picking, including Murray at 14 to 1, who does not have a chance. Now, as for the actual winner of this quarter, Sinner is the obvious choice if he's not fatigued because he just won a title. And you have to wonder if he will be exhausted after winning in Vienna. Do I think he's going to be tired? Not really, because he only dropped one set in the entire event. And he also has a, a bye in the first round. So he has a couple extra days to rehab and to recover. And I do think Sinner is in line to win this quarter. Plus 140 is a great deal. Now, if you want to look at the actual draw for Sinner in this tournament... Not bad. Face off against Wolf or McDonald post by. He's going to win that one. Then either Dimenauer, Murray, Bonzi, or Lahovich. Uh, sure, give me center all day, every day. And then probably facing off against Rublev in the quarterfinals. You can make an argument that Paul can maybe beat Rune. Or not Rune, sorry, beat Rublev. We'll see what happens there. But I probably would assume they're going to get a rematch of the Vienna semis, which is center against Rublev. I think I got to take the two favorites here. I'll go with Sinner at 140 and Rublev at 4-1. to one. Paul's been fine, not amazing recently. Dimenauer is a good player, but I just think that Sinner and Rublev have the firepower to eventually overwhelm Dimenauer. Dimenauer has become a little bit more offensive, but he's still a defensive-minded player, and I do think that Sinner and Rublev have the ability to really push Dimenauer on the court, and I do think that as a result, you're going to see Sinner or Rublev beat Dimenauer if they faced off. So give me the chalk here. Give me Sinner and Rublev. Sinner at 140 and give me Rublev at 4-1. to one. Moving on to the third quarter, you have Medvedev in a pretty large gap between other guys. Medvedev is plus 140. Hercatch is 750. Root is 850. Dimitrov is 850 as well. Kord is 10-1. to one. You have Monfi at 11-1. to one. Uh, Tiafo at 12-1. to one. Jari at 12-1. to one. Laheshka at 14-1. to one. And that's basically it. So Medvedev's the obvious choice. Once again, going a bit chalky, but I feel like since he has won this event before, you have to at least consider taking him. And he is plus money, so I do like the odds associated with Medvedev. Now, I do think if you want to talk about who can, in theory, beat him, Dimitrov did go to three sets against him about a week ago, but Medvedev won. I think Medvedev's too solid for Dimitrov to handle, but maybe Dimitrov can push him to three so if you think that he might have be upset, you might want to look at the opposite side of the bracket. And I am tempted by Korda. The problem is Korda is against um, against uh, her catch in the first round. And you might remember they faced off in a tournament a couple of weeks ago, and you saw her catch beat Korda comfortably. Now, her catch, once again, is in good form. 750 is probably appealing. It's a good price. Would he beat 
Uh, Medvedev, probably not, but I do think for the actual gap in price, I think I have to take her catch at 750 based on current form, and I think I have to take Korda at 10 to 1 because Korda has beaten Medvedev a couple of times within the last year and change. So for me, my three picks are going to be Medvedev at 140, mostly Medvedev, and a couple of flyers on her catch at 750 and Korda at 10 to 1. You know, I don't like Korda. But Korda has been good against Medvedev, and I do think that's worth something for 10-1. to 1. Now, moving on to the final quarter, you have a very cheap price for Alcaraz at minus 105. You have Sissipas at 5-1, to Zverev at 6-1, to 1, Kishanov at 10-1. to 1. You have uh, Felix at 10-1, to 1, Safulin at 11-1, to 1, and that's basically it. So, for me, I'm going with Alcaraz. I got to take him. I know that he has not exactly been great recently, but I do think you're looking at Alcaraz getting a very good price in a field that he is the best player in. We've seen Tsitsipas and Zverev recently offer no resistance against him at all. We saw Zverev get buried by Alcaraz in the U.S. Open, and we have seen Tsitsipas lose to Alcaraz every time they play. So for me, I got to go with Alcaraz here. I think if I was going to take a flyer on anybody, it would not be Sitsipas because I still don't fully trust him. I think it would probably end up being Zverev, but to look at the actual path for Zverev here, it's pretty favorable. He has spots against Fuksovic, who should win, then probably Umber or Giron. That's going to be difficult, potentially a three-set match. But I do think Zverev gets by there. Then you have Zverev against Sitsipas, which should be fun, but I will lean to Zverev. That also gives added value to Alcaraz, by the way, because Alcaraz gets to watch Zverev and Sissipas kill each other, and the winner gets him, while his toughest opponent should be Kashanov, which should be a pretty straightforward win for Alcaraz. So for me, give me Alcaraz a minus 105 and give me Zverev at 6-1. to one. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for the actual quarters. Now it's time for the outrights to win the event. Going through the odds for the actual title, Djokovic is plus 175. Alcaraz is 330. Uh, Medvedev is 6 to 1. Sinner is 7 to 1. You have Rublev at 22 to 1. Zverev at 25 to 1. And that's basically it. I'm not considering Sitsipas as a realistic option. And her catch, no offense, I think is a good player to make the semi. I'm not picking him to win. So I think there's going to be a bit of fool's gold with that 35 to 1. I don't see her catch getting it done. So for me, first things first, give me Djokovic. To 175, he's well-rested. He won this title six times. That's good for me. He's motivated after losing the final last year. I think it's a great price for Djokovic. Alcaraz at 330. It's interesting because, once again, he's a great player, but he has kind of been underachieving recently because people have expected him to just cruise into titles during the hardcore swing. Really has not happened, and I do think Alcaraz post-injury might be a little bit you can make an argument overvalued because we've yet to actually see him play since he took some time off. On the other hand, it's a good price for Alcaraz. You can make an argument that you're not going to get better price moving forward. I do think for the sake of the, uh, I can't even say long shots, but I think I have to be tempted by Medvedev because Medvedev did beat Alcaraz in the U.S. Open, so I know Medvedev can handle it. I think I'm going to actually not pick Alcaraz at 330, because I just think that Alcaraz facing Medvedev and then Djokovic would be too much to ask. Now, Djokovic would have to face off against Sinner if they faced off in the semis, but Sinner might be fatigued, and Sinner's draw is relatively deep. We saw Rublev, who should have won a set against a minimum in Vienna, did not, but Rublev definitely wasn't easy for Sinner to handle, and I do think that Sinner should get by, but I do think Djokovic would beat Sinner if they faced off. So for me, I'm going to go with Djokovic at 175. 
I think I talked myself out of Alcaraz at 3.30. I think I am going to go with Medvedev at 6-1. to one. And the question is, do I want to take Sinner as well? I'm going to go Chalky, obviously. Uh, I, I got to go with Djokovic, and I got to go with Medvedev because he's won here before. Sinner at 7-1, to one, you know what? I'll take a spin. We, we ended up winning. I forgot to mention that. We had Sinner to win in Vienna, so we ended up cashing us an outright there. So we're going to roll over some of the profits and take him to win again in Paris. But my three picks are going to be Djokovic at 175, Medvedev at 6-1, to one, and give me Sinner at 7-1. to one. If you want a long shot, I would take Zverev at 25-1. to one. So I'll throw in a little bit on that. Is he going to win? Probably not. I'll be honest, but I got to take something at 25-1. to one. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights. Apologies if you're expecting me to make a case for a serious long shot at like 50 to 1. But it's a 1,000 event. So usually, keyword usually, I know Rune ended up winning it last year. Usually one of the big dogs wins. And I see that being the case once again here in 2023. So that's going to wrap it up. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks for matches in the round of 64. But before we get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog has just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100x payout. And for a limited time offer, Underdog is extending the first deposit bonus up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, 10 lucky players will win $10,000 each. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the MMA Gambling Podcast Contest. The MMA Gambling Podcast just launched their YouTube channel. And to celebrate, we're giving away an MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie to one lucky winner. So head over to sportsgampodcast.com slash MMA hoodie. Submit your entry today and make sure to subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast on YouTube. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger, betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights for the Paris Masters. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a matchup between Purcell and uh, Kishanov taking place on Monday morning, I think around like nine, around like 9 a.m., give or take. But for me, I'm going to go with Kishanov to win in straight sets at minus 115. Simply put, Purcell's been in really bad form. He's lost four straight. He's really been getting buried in straight sets quite regularly against good competition. And simply put, I think Purcell is above his skis here. I think he's a challenger-level player that had a good run during the summer, but he's really not that great, and Kashanov has been in good form. He did lose to Medvedev in Vienna. No shame in that. In fact, he actually won a set, so he actually played pretty well. But he beat Laheshka in straight sets, and he also ended up winning the first-round match in straight sets there. So he's in good form, and I do think Kashanov, who has won this event before and tends to get up, and perform well in these high-profile events, these Masters 1000s, I think that you see Kashanov show up and win against a pretty inferior opponent. 
I think it might end up being a pretty straightforward 6-3-6-4 type match, but Gashanov to win in straight sets should be a lot bigger of a price than minus 115, since I'm really low on Purcell's current form. Give me Gashanov in straight sets at minus 115 as my lock, and for my dog, give me a matchup taking place between Giron and Umber. I'm going with the over two and a half sets at plus 130. Might seem like a bit of deja vu because they just faced off against each other in the first round of Basel. And that actually was a three set marathon that went to a final set tie break. So we just saw this match about a week ago and it was a marathon. The same script is to be plus the same script to happen again is plus 130. It's a great price. Now, Umber's been involved in a lot of marathons. In fact, to go through his results for about the last two weeks, two of his four matches in Shanghai went to three, and three of his four matches in Basel went to three. If you want to even go back further to Beijing and the Davis Cup, it actually goes back further than that. But the point is, Umber's been a three-set magnet, and we know Giron is a solid rallier. He's a good, steady player but I do think you're going to see a very even battle between these players, and I do think because of that, this line is a pretty solid value play. And Giron ended up going to three sets just to qualify here. He had a three set, a third set tiebreak, actually, against Lahovich to make it. Uh, he had a three-setter against Shelton in Tokyo, a three-setter in Basel. So three of Giron's last four matches have gone to three. So you have seen each player be involved in marathons. They got a marathon between each other about a week ago. I love the price of plus 130. That's going to be my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Kashanov to win in straight sets against Purcell at minus 115. And my dog will be Umber and Giron over two and a half sets at plus 130 on BetMGM. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of shows at the network. Find me on the NBA show, the NFL show, MLB show. You get the point. A reminder once again, Masters 1000 events mean that we are going to have an episode for each round. I'll be back again for the round of 32. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.